Welcome to Lazy Girl News, where I share a breakdown of some news headlines from last week so you can catch up on current events without losing your mind. If you listen to this podcast for a little while, you might be a little bit confused as to why I've appeared back on the scene with a brand new series that's absolutely nothing to do with what I used to talk Well, I guess I found that over the past few years, I have become less and less interested in talking about things I used to talk about and what she said, Instagram online business, etc., which is ultimately why I stopped publishing new episodes. But the truth is I love podcasting a whole lot, which helps because I'm a podcast producer, and I think it's really important I keep up to date with what it's like to be a podcast host so I can support my clients in a way that feels a little bit more authentic, <laughs> as well as the fact that I actually just really, really love the medium of podcasting. And what better way to show my clients that you can genuinely podcast about whatever you actually want to podcast about than by literally, well, podcasting about what I actually want to be podcasting about. So without further ado, Angela, here is Lazy Girl News. Maybe you turn so Rachel Reeves, the Shadow Chancellor, won't be reinstating the cap on bankers' bonuses despite her tweet three months ago saying the exact opposite. She's keen to keep the cap on child benefits though because us parents are far too wealthy. I personally have way too much money, so I absolutely welcome Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so this is bonkers and surely is insanely unpopular with almost everybody. So why are they doing it? Very likely pandering to corporations. All but one of Rachel Reeves' advisors are attached to big businesses. So it would follow that they're prioritizing, uh, towards relief for companies as opposed to the average working parent. So if you're feeling confused as to why the fuck labor are gaslighting us into believing their very thoughtfully costed cuts for the rich are part of a much bigger and strategic plan that will boost the economy, ultimately benefiting us all, you aren't alone. It's insane making. Surely taxing the rich is the simple thing, right? So between 1995 and 2020, there was a two times wage increase versus a five times wage increase for within the financial sector, five times more. All evidence suggests that the financiers of this world are not the most vulnerable of our society, and yet our politicians rarely do anything to make their lives harder. So I recently learned about the illusion of improvement, which is a term coined by Gary Stevenson. You'd probably recognize him if you see his face or hear his voice. It's very distinctive. 
it holds that while every generation is getting progressively poorer overall, we as individuals tend to increase our wealth. So, for, okay, let me put this as an example because I really didn't understand it when I first watched the video about it. Um, from age 16 to now, age 40, I have more money and I own, you know, because I own a house, rising house prices are going to benefit me. So actually my overall wealth has increased. But if you compare me age 40 or even me age 16 to my parents, they're not a very good example because one was an immigrant and one's working for us. But in general, and certainly if you compare me age 40 to them age 40, I'm far poorer. And that, Yari says, is the case for basically all of us. So if you look at every single generation, the if you look at a scale of wealth versus time, it's going to go up generation, each generation. Um, but when you look individually at age versus age, so um, a millennial versus a boomer, in the bracket of like age 25s, it, it's much less. So the only way to stop this, he says, is for everybody to literally understand that this is an illusion. The illusion of improvement is a thing. And for us kind of collectively as a, as a society to say, no, I don't accept this. No, this is bullshit. Our politicians have to stop gaslighting us into believing that they can't afford to fund the things that we need, like public services or, um, yeah, child benefit or anything really. You could literally pick anything and be able to see how politicians are telling us, Oh, we don't have enough money for that. We have to, we, you know, we have to cost that more carefully and in can't reduce taxes. We can't, you know, but they will comfortably say we're not going to tax. The, the most rich people in society any more than we already do. We're not going to implement more stringent taxes for the rich, which we know that if we just did that, we'd be able to fund everything else. I am really excited to see Mark Zuckerberg's face <laughs> or read about him in the news. So I would have totally ignored the recent Senate Judiciary Committee um, in the US who sat down to discuss the Protecting Children Online bill. But I am so glad that I didn't ignore it. Actually, I don't know if it's a bill. Anyway, Protecting Children Online. So for context, the Senate Judiciary Committee is similar to the Parliamentary 
select committee, the parliament select committee, um, just in the sense that there are always some amazing viral moments of um, absolute idiots asking and answering questions. Um, I feel like the viral clips of the UK Parliament Select Committees tend to always be of the people answering, being caught out or probed and just being really idiotic and embarrassing, um, as opposed to the Senate Judiciary Committee, where the senators are completely unhinged. I don't know. Also, I don't know what the actual point of either of them are, and I won't be elaborating further because I can't be asked to learn about it. Okay, so no, I do know what the Parliament Select Committee is. It's sort of supposed to be a checks and balances, but it's a bit like um, an inquiry, which is lip service. Anyway, on being asked repeatedly about the link between social media and mental health, citing children who'd taken their own lives or suffered from online bullying, Zuckerberg suggested that there just wasn't enough research to support that link. Although he did say sorry to the families of the victims, um, some of the many victims who were present during the questioning. That in and of itself is just bonkers to me that Zuckerberg would really double down and say there's not enough research to suggest that there's a link when there, there is. It's not like screen time, you know? But anyway. Um, but the real gold came when Senator Tom Cotton, who is a Harvard graduate and the son of a teacher, apparently, he repeatedly asked the Singaporean TikTok um, CEO, Shuzi Chu, if he was a member of the Chinese Communist Party. He asked if he has Chinese citizenship. He asked if he had any opinions on what happened in Tiananmen Square. Oh my God, 11 billion times. He just kept asking him the same questions, which were um, really not well-hidden racism. Um, but watching Daddy TikTok keep his cool, answering every single inane racist question with grace and sometimes a smirk and a laugh was absolutely one of the great joys of my life. And I have saved some of those clips just so that when I'm feeling a bit sad, um, which at the moment is all the fucking time, it really does cheer me up. Finally comes the news that Lawrence Fox lost his libel case against the former Stonewall trustee Simon Blake, actress Nicola Thorpe and drag artist Crystal, who he called paedophiles on Twitter, aka X, and I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Fox, who was Inspector Morse's sidekick, Lewis's sidekick, has become something of a free speech activist in recent years, even forming his own party called Reclaim UK, 
claims that he lost work due to the accusation. So he countersued the claimants for libel. He loves being hashtag edgy and attacking the wokerati under the guise of free speech. So it's pretty hilarious that he countersued three people after they correctly called him a racist on the artist formerly known as Twitter, aka X. The thing is, he is a racist. And his claims that being called that had damaged his reputation and career were found to be without merit by the court. But what was damaging was Fox's own labelling of Crystal and Blake as paedophiles. This is a trope the queer community will long be aware of as it's been used as a slur against them, countlessly. And with that comes genuine damage to both reputation and lives. Both received death threats, for example. Fox claimed he'd seen a decline in acting roles and being outed as a massive racist, which should surprise nobody. But but his performance in the court did little to alleviate future employees' doubts. From the Guardian article, which I've I've linked in the show notes, under cross-examination, Fox suggested there were contexts in which the phrase "I hate black people" was not racist. He said, and I quote. If a man is just released from a Ugandan jail where he'd been gang raped by several men and he walks out and goes, I hate black people, it's a sort of understandable response. I have no words. I think when Nicola Thorpe summed it up best when she tweeted or X'd, I don't know what you're supposed to say, posted, posted on X, the same man who later told a black man to fuck off back to Jamaica posted pride flags in the shape of a swastika and shared blacked up images of himself. It's time that Mr. Fox accepted that any damage to his reputation is entirely of his own doing. And I completely agree. And that's all from me this week. I hope you enjoyed it. As ever, free Palestine. Please support UNRWA as they continue to keep Palestinians alive with their hands tied behind their backs. You can uh, visit the link in my show, note, show notes to donate some money or spread awareness or just Google UNWRA, UNRWA. If you'd prefer to read this podcast instead, then head to the link in the show notes and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter. Until next week. <laughs>